We are back at it. Finally, welcome back to the Pistols Firing Podcast on hiatus for the Masters. But we are back. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Mr. Augusta himself, Kyle Porter. Kyle, have you been able to get a good night's sleep since Tiger took home his fifth green jacket? (laughs) I have. Uh, I didn't for about... 12 days there, 15 days there, but uh, it's been nice to rest up a little bit. I feel refreshed, almost ready for the next major. It's like three weeks away. It's weird. That's right. And we, we will talk about our um, master's experience at the end, but we have a ton to get to w- yes, with OSU. A lot's, a lot's happened since you and I were walking down uh, Magnolia Lane. Obviously, the, the <laughs> we, did, we didn't walk down Magnolia Lane. In theory, I mean, we were, we were we were we were on the property. All right, <laughs> don't don't let the details get in the way of a good story. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My bad. Uh, obviously, the, the big story is the spring cotillion, as you call it, the oh, spring uh, yeah. fling, it's... the spring charade, the spring practice. I guess is what's going to be settled charade. on. <laughs> and of course, obviously, this spring is going to be defined by the quarterback race. You wrote a piece for the the website. Uh, talking about what you learned from um, the the uh, spring practice, so I guess I didn't see much of it either. I've just kind of read your story and I followed it a little because I was I was working that day. But just what were your impressions from what you've gathered from it? Well, you know, I, I, and I put it in the story. It wasn't, you know, and, and Marshall Scott was there for us and he covered it and and did a really good job. And there's some highlights that have come out. I can't remember. Did did Dylan Buckingham put them on Twitter or or uh, Nate? Uh, what's Nate's last name? Uh, Faken. Yeah, not PFB Nate, but I think uh, Dylan did. Okay. Uh, so people can go watch him on on Twitter. It's, and you know, like, look, it's 200 seconds of highlights from a practice. You're like, okay, well, what am I gonna, what do I learn from this? But honestly, based on the entire spring, Carson, and I think it, like, the spring game, cotillion, whatever, exemplified this, embodied this it's a tight race. And if it's a tight race and you care about the long-term health of the program, I don't, I just don't see a way around going with Spencer Sanders. I would agree. I mean, to me, it goes back to the, and this is a bad example because it didn't pan out, but the, the theory behind starting West Lunt, I think was a good theory. If he's the yeah. most talented quarterback on the roster, go ahead and go with him. I mean, I, I agree with that. And I, again, I just, the thought of starting Drew Brown over Spencer Sanders after you didn't even give Drew Brown a chance to play last year throughout, you know, Taylor Cornelius had his moments, but he also had his struggles and Drew Brown didn't step on the field once other than that one play where Cornelius's helmet got knocked off in the bowl game. That was it. So, I mean, yeah, I agree with you. If, if, if it's, if it's all even and if Drew Brown's not like way ahead of Spencer Sanders, I'm going with Spencer Sanders. He's the franchise. He's the highest, highly, most highly touted quarterback you've recruited ever, even more than Bobby Reed. He's Mr. Texas football. He's the face of the program. I think you got to go with him, and I think they will, Kyle. I just think, and I, I, I told you this the last time we talked about it, I don't mind not giving away who the guy is all the way through up until fall camp uh, almost concludes before the first game because that keeps them both on campus first and foremost. And secondly, you know, competition um, is a good thing. So I, I agree with you there. I think the primary point for me is if you don't go with Spencer Sanders, then all of a sudden you're in a situation where you, you've got four quarterbacks in four years starting next year because this is Drew Brown's last year 
So you would have gone Rudolph and then Cornelius and then Drew Brown and then either Spencer Sanders or Brendan Costello. And it, you know, is that, is that what you want to do? Like, is that a situation that, that you want to be in? I, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. And I think, I think Sean Gleason is going to have a, a big say on this. I mean, I go back to when, when Yursich was the offensive coordinator, I think, I think he kind of wanted to play Mason Rudolph, but Gundy didn't want to. But that was when Mason was a true freshman. Now that Spencer's been there for a redshirt year, I think Gleason's going to want to go with the most talented quarterback. And I think, obviously, that's that's Spencer Sanders. The question I have is, I still don't understand the Drew Brown thing from either side. Like, what what was told to him and what is told to him now? Like, <laughs> why did he transfer to it? Did he just transfer to OSU unbeknownst, like Baker Mayfield supposedly did to OU? Like... I just I don't understand that situation, and there's a chance he might not play at all after two years of being at OSU. So it's it's an odd it's an odd situation from that end. It is odd, but I I do think that it, before I say this, I, I one good point that you had is like there's a better chance that Spencer Sanders will have improved a lot more from last year than Drew Brown. Drew Brown's a lot older. Like you just get a lot better from first year to second year than you do from fourth to fifth, right? And I and I think that that is an important thing to to note which you just did but in terms of him transferring i i do think that both quarterbacks will play this fall um i think i think that drew brown is a really good backup to have and i think that whether it's injuries or you know gleason's penchant for playing two quarterbacks uh at once or even like running them in and out i i think that brown is i don't think he's going to see one snap like he did last year i just think that Sanders is going to be the starter. I would agree. Now I, it it is odd. Like if 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 that was what Brown was, I, I who knows again what he was told. But like if you're coming to OSU to be the backup, is that is that better than being the quarterback at Hawaii? Usually people go the other way, right? Like if they're the backup at a Power Five, they go to a Hawaii or an SMU or whatever to get to get playing time. Yeah, I just I think he looked at the roster and saw Taylor Cornelius, who was a former walk-on and, and hadn't played, and said, I can go there and start. And maybe he was led to believe that. I don't think it was fully told to him how much they loved Taylor Cornelius. That, that to me, is pretty obvious because they love the guy. I mean, from Yursich to, to Gundy on down. So, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Do you think they'll play both at the same time? Because we saw that Gleason's been doing that before at Princeton. I you, you, wrote, you wrote a little bit about that in your column. I don't I, – I mean, if they're going to do it, this is a great time to do it, right? Like, did did you watch the highlights of both guys? Yes. What 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 did – I mean, was there anything that popped to you in terms of their just their highlights? Yeah, I, I agree with you that they look pretty similar. I, I will say there were a few plays where Spencer Sanders was in and the pocket kind of collapses around him and he kind of just – he just kind of moves differently mm, to me. Yeah. It, it looked a little different than things I've seen from the, the OG quarterback position in a long time. It was, he was more shifty than a Zach Robinson, but the, the burst was there and it, it just, it looked a little different to me and it looked a little bit more impressive as far as his ability to move around and, and throw on the move. And, and Drew Brown's mobile too. They're very similar quarterbacks. Um, I don't think Drew Brown's bad at all. I just, I thought, there were just a few things where I, I kind of raised my eyebrows just a little bit like, whoa, that looks different. So I, I, I think Spencer, to me, is, is going to be the guy. I think we both agree on that. So you think Sanders is more fleet-footed than, like, Brandon Whedon? Uh, ever so slightly. 
Hey, Whedon, Whedon scored on a, a scramble in the orange and white scrimmage back when they actually had a game. So I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna besmirch Whedon's mobility. Uh, Whedon was there on Saturday, so it was Mason Rudolph. They should have thrown them out there if it's just a practice. Put some green shirts on them. Don't touch them. Just let them let it rip. <laughs> and the seven on seven portion, they could have just sure. Why not the quarterbacks? I mean, you're not. Yeah, let's do it. That's something uh, they could have like marketed to get to get people, more people to go. It's like we got Rudolph on one side against Whedon. Let's do this. Yeah, and by the way, just play a game. Like, I know I, I, seven on seven. Like, well, I that's can... that's my problem, Kyle. Like it's, to me, this game is a reflection on, or this lack of game is a reflection just on the whole attitude that Gundy has towards recruiting and his program in general. Like you just look at what everyone else around the country is doing that are you know, top 25 programs. They're making it a big deal. They're making it a recruiting event. Yeah. yeah. And every year, Gundy makes it less and less of a deal. And he's keeps trying to, this is like the fourth or fifth year in a row. He, he said they don't have the depth, which yeah. that's just, that's just turning into a crutch at this point. That's not, that's, that's not even true. Well, and then he was like, well, next year we'll probably have the depth. And it's like, what? He's just, like, he's I, just I, talking. Yeah. yeah and, I, I don't... and it goes back to, I'm sure people are tired of hearing it, but I'm going to keep saying it. You know, they're, they're top 10 in wins since 08. Like you, you have elevated this thing to a level where you can have a big time spring game. It'd be fun for the fans. Tons of recruits could come out and you could recruit a higher level of athlete like a CJ Moore who we're talking about on offense. I think you can start doing that for your entire roster. I just, it just, to me, it's more evidence that he is just set in his ways and he's cool just doing what he's doing and doesn't really want to put forth the effort to, to jump up a few notches in recruiting. So two things. One, the first thing that stood out to me about the quarterbacks is how small Drew Brown is. I mean, he's he's tiny, like short. Yeah. Did you did you? I mean, did that did you notice? I mean, it's it's sort of hard to tell. Like, but there were moments where I was like, oh my gosh, he's so small. <laughs> well, and, I saw him standing next to Cornelius last year, so yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. But uh, Marshall Scott had a great line that Jelani Woods like crouched over is is taller than Drew Brown. I thought that was <laughs> hilarious, and probably true. Uh, and then the second is C.J. Moore is a freak, and for 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 a moment there, he made me forget that Oklahoma State actually has Tylen Wallace, Blitnikoff finalist, robbed of the actual award on its roster. <laughs> he is unbelievable, and I could not be. And Gundy did the thing where he's like, "Oh, he's you know he's probably not going to play the whole time." And it's like, "What what are we doing? Like, why 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 are, why are we saying this?" He looked unbelievable. He said, "What?" He said he's only going to play like fifty five plays a game. He should be starting, shouldn't he? Shouldn't he be in the Tyron Johnson role? I, yes. Is I, he my I, new Tyron? Is he is he my new Tyron that I have to talk about every week that they don't throw in the ball? He's he's awesome, and uh, you know, again, spring practice, whatever. We'll see come Oregon State, but yeah, I, 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 maybe it's because of his frame, his build, his too skinny. I I don't know. I don't know why he's only going to play fifty five to sixty plays a game. That that sound you hear is Casey Dunn lighting up another cigar. By the way, <laughs> I know. I mean, and I was I was skeptical too, Kyle, because I mean he is super skinny. He's he's listed at like six five, one seventy five. <laughs> that's and that's probably generous. I mean, he's probably yeah. like one sixty yeah. at six five. He's just so skinny. But you saw him make plays. I mean, they're not allowed to beat up the receivers, so I mean, they can't really press him as much as they used to at the line. 
So I mean, he obviously has some some playmaking ability, and that's he's a he's a four star recruit. I mean, that's that's what I've said about Tylen too. It's like this is not a complicated science. You go get a high level four star, they're going to be really good at football, and you're going to win. So I'd, I'd love to see more CJ Moore's on the roster from from top to bottom. And that kind of goes back to my point about not prioritizing the spring game and making it a big deal. And I mean, look at all the recruits OU's getting at their spring games every year. I think that's that's no coincidence. Yeah. Uh, did you see the picture of uh, Boynton and Brandon Whedon uh, communicating on the sideline? I did not. I missed this. Two friends of the program, by the way. Yeah, friends of the pod. Yeah. What What do you think they were discussing? Probably Augusta. Probably Masters. Oh, probably so. Um, I don't know. Recruiting tactics. I'm not sure. <laughs> Wayne was probably like, hey, can you come say hi to these recruits? Uh, Wayne's like, I was a zero star. I didn't have stars. Wayne's yeah. like, I wouldn't have recruited you. Well, he was probably <laughs> trying to tell Whedon to tell them about, you know, how he didn't make it in baseball and that they shouldn't go pro in NBA just yet, just to keep them on campus, just to scare them a little bit. Just speaking of scare tactic. Speaking of Boynton, do you, is there anything else from the spring game? No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, LC Greenwood linebacker now still wearing 81. That's interesting, I guess. Uh, yeah, not. A, I mean, the quarterback thing is is the main thing. But you know, I I think one important and I forgot who pointed this out. I think it might have been Jenny Carlson. Like ne- neither Drew Brown or Spencer Sanders is going to transfer because Spencer Sanders would have to sit out the fall anyway, even if he transfers. So he's not going anywhere and. Drew Brown, it get, I think it's a little complicated because he's already transferred, and I, I just think it's too messy to be able to do it. So, Carson, I think I think Oklahoma State's in a great position at quarterback going into the fall, even though they haven't named a starter yet. I just think they're in a good spot. Yeah, I mean, we haven't seen either of them play it down yet. So, I mean, I don't know about being in a great spot. We don't know anything about either of them, really, other than the recruiting so, I mean, they have depth. I'll give them that. I mean, last year it was Cornelius and not much else as far as who they were willing to play. So Yeah, yeah. And I, I know Dustin Ragusa is super high on Costello, too. It's a guy we haven't really talked about yet. <laughs> he loves him. It's hilarious. Uh, I mean, okay. I, Costello is, I mean, I'm going to start calling him Dustin Costello if it, if it keeps <laughs> up. So speaking of Boynton and recruiting, Oklahoma State signs Chris Harris Jr., former Texas A&M commit. Uh, I think it was – I guess he signed, was it last week? I I don't remember. Recently, since we we last had a podcast, which was like a year ago. Uh, This gives them four guys, four four four-stars or better, and they're all all four-star guys. There was only, I think, 14 teams last year that signed four four or five-star guys. So there's not not that many of these teams that get this many caliber of players. And Oklahoma State's got a top 20 class again. And uh, I don't know, man. I'm working on a piece right now. I think it's going to come out on Tuesday afternoon. I think Oklahoma State's going to be good at basketball next year. Is that cra- Am I crazy? I don't think you're crazy. I will say they better be. Um, I was talking with somebody who had talked to someone who knows things in Stillwater. And, and this, this is not Mike Boynton's boss by any means, but – the attitude, I think, is okay. You've recruited now. It's it's time it's time to make the NCAA tournament. It's time to do some damage in, in Big Twelve play. We're, we're, this is year three. It's it's yeah. time. It's time. And so I I would agree with you that you know, how much how many hours on this podcast did we expend 
talking about the potential of Mike Boynton's recruiting ability. We, we didn't know, but you and I kept talking about it. Like this is his chance to succeed. This is his chance to make it. And here we are. He's, he's done it. He's, he's landed a big time recruiting class and that's super exciting. And I, I agree with you that I think Boynton's shown he can coach with the road wins in Big 12 play. It's just a matter of can he get all these recruits to form a team? That's that's the challenge, and that's 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 the challenge he's created, and I think he's up for it. So it's it's super exciting to get OSU back to relevancy. I mean, and and really, Kyle, this is all big. This is all basketball really is, isn't it? It's recruiting. Like just look at Scott Drew. Just get dudes, and the wins will come. So it's it's super exciting. So in 2012, 2011-12, Travis Ford goes 15 and 18. 2012-13, they bring in Marcus Smart as a freshman. They go 24-9 and and get a five seed in the NCAA tournament. And I think my point there is, like, you don't, you, you don't know how good these guys are going to be. And the more of them, the more four- and five-star guys you have, the better chance you have one of them hitting. And if one of them is good or great, that can be the difference. It's not like football where, like, you need to – you need to scale the thing and like you need like masses of, of players to be good. Cause you're playing so many, you don't want to play five guys at once. And if one of them's great, I mean, this is what we've seen from Texas tech, right? Jarrett Culver, Zaire Smith, the last couple of years, those guys were, they were both worse recruits than four of the five guys that Oklahoma state's bringing in. Mm-hmm. And they're both first round picks. So who Marcus Watson might be a first round pick. He looks like a grown man right now. Avery, Ander- Avery Anderson might be a first round. I mean, I, I have no idea, and, and no, and neither does anybody else. The point is that you're giving yourself a chance at one or two or even three of these guys being great. And if they're great, and you add them to, you know, what should be a good uh, Cam McGriff and and Lindy Waters senior year, and to what should be a good Urna and Isaac Likely sophomore year, then I just. I, I think the turnaround is closer than people think. Could be. Well, well, to that point, who's the highest recruit they've gotten since Boynton, since before Boynton really got recruiting? Mitchell Solomon? I mean, what's, yeah. last, what's the last high-level four-star they got? Uh, Carroll? Uh, I mean, he was, yeah. I mean, that was he was a Travis Ford recruit, wasn't he? Yes. Because he was the year so after. He was tail end, uh, right? Yeah. He was the year after uh, Marcus 20, Smart. 2013. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think Solomon was a pretty highly respected recruit. He he was, I think, a four star. So, it just they haven't been getting guys like this at all. Now they have Juwan Evans. Juwan Evans. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, and look at look how good he was. Jeffrey yeah. Carroll was a three three star in rivals. So Juwan Evans turns turns around your program. He was a four star guy, you know. Yeah. And yeah, so, that's the point. Like they now they're getting multiple of these guys. And I just think that the more of them you get, the less likely you are to miss. So I think I think the the future's very bright. Yeah, and and yeah. So like last year they bring in likely who's a four star, and I think by the end of the year you're like, Oh, this guy's pretty good. You know, and now you're bringing in four of those guys. And mm-hmm. I just, I, I, you know, you don't have the top 20 guy, the top 10 guy, whatever. But the fact that you're bringing in four guys that are kind of like likely or, or presumably better. I don't, I, I, I just, I don't know if people are making a big enough deal out of it. Maybe I'm making too big of a deal out of it, but I just, I'm fired up about next season. I really am. 
Yeah, you should be. And I think some people are just, just dubious. Likely it was a three-star on Rivals. Maybe I just put too much weight in Rivals. But um, I think people are just dubious about OSU basketball right now. They want to see results. They don't want to hear about recruiting rankings. I mean, I do. I want, I want, to, I want to see dudes. And, and Boynton's got a ton of dudes. So, and, and then you throw in the fact, Kyle, they're returning a lot of their best players. So it's it's going to be... They're going to be talented next year. I mean, your NA really came on at the end of the year. Isaac likely had his moments at the end of the year. Cam McGriff, he's he was inconsistent, but he had his moments last season. So they're they're loaded, man. They have they have depth for the first time in a long time. And just you know, I will caution you in saying that you know, not all their recruits have ended up staying on campus. So that's another thing that Boynton has to do. No, that's a big deal. Uh, You know what's crazy? They're twentieth in the country. They're fourth in the Big Twelve. And Kansas is not ahead of them in recruiting. Wow. Texas is, OU is, and Texas Tech are all ahead of Oklahoma State in terms of 2019 recruiting. Kansas Hmm. is like 55th in the country right now. (laughs) Well, that's – do they lose a lot of guys to the NBA? I I don't know. I mean, I – I think part of it is like it's not over yet, so they could get more – I I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. I know they've got Hmm. some – investigations going on or whatever, whatever, whatever's going on up there. But, um, I don't know. It, things are happening. So well, we'll that's see. the thing. That's the thing. Like OSU could get exponentially better and still not finish in the top four next year. I, know, I, know. I mean, there's just so many good teams, so many good coaches, but I will say the success that Boynton's had on the recruiting trail has led to his name getting thrown out at, at place like St. John's, which to me, St. John's is like a dead program. I think the only reason Boynton was linked there is because he's from Brooklyn. Um, now, obviously, he's done a really good job recruiting, and I think he'd be a good fit there. But that was uh, – PFB was was uh, a little scared there for a minute, weren't they? You guys in uh, the Slack chat? Well, I was like deep in the Masters stuff, so I didn't really know what was going on. But it, it seemed like – it seemed like you had pretty strong feelings about it just around like what, what mostly around like St. Like what the St. Job St. John's job means or meant. Uh, but yeah, I think there was some like, uh, is this, it, it would have been weird though. Right. Like you go 12 and 20 and you get hired elsewhere. That's, that's odd. That's Lane Kiffin ish. It would be the most OSU basketball thing ever. Wouldn't it? I mean, <laughs> right when they get momentum, just the rug gets pulled out from under them with Underwood and, that would be just another example. Yeah, I, I don't know. That just that didn't really that felt like a uh, that felt like what we do whenever somebody gets fired and we just start googling and trying to make like these vague connections <laughs> of like, oh, well, he's from New York and he likes it there, so maybe St. John's. Yeah, okay, let's put this out there. I don't know that it, that never felt like a real thing. I don't know. Yep. Maybe I'm wrong. Hmm. Well, they hired Mike Anderson who has probably never been to New York. <laughs> so, <laughs> the NIT, he's probably been there for the NIT. So either Boynton said, well, maybe he has, he has been there probably, but either Boynton said no, or they weren't really looking at a, a local at all. So, but yeah. that story's behind us. Uh, okay. Real quick. And then we'll get to the schedule for the week and our one interesting thing. Uh, Oklahoma state baseball swept Texas over the weekend. Got a little bit, a little bit buried by the spring cotillion stuff, but uh, Oklahoma State now leads the Big 12 in, in uh, Big 12 conference standings in baseball. So that was exciting. They walked them off on Saturday, and uh, yeah, baseball's rolling right now. Kind of fun. Uh, 
Boone, the name Boone is becoming even more illustrious in uh, <laughs> OSU lore. You got obviously Boone Pickens, you got Kyle Boone, and now you got Trevor Boone just hitting home runs left and right. So he, he became the first OSU guy to hit three three run homers, I read. Yeah, so, don't forget uh, Caleb and Kalen Boone. Keelan. That's who I was. I knew I was forgetting somebody. The, the Boone twins are, are arriving on campus soon. So, yeah. All hail House Boone. <laughs> Have you been watching Game of Thrones? Yes. I've been just knee-deep in reading about it and watching it. <laughs> and you don't watch it, do you? No. No. Yeah. Well, no, you'll I, have to I, at some point. I don't have time for that. Um, it's the best show ever created, so that's all you're missing. <laughs> okay, let's get to this week's OSU schedule brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner. And be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Carson... Uh, baseball game on Tuesday against ORU actually got canceled because it got rained out. But baseball is at Tech this weekend. A big uh, so, series. Yeah, it is a big series. They're looking for some uh, for some basketball revenge, for some uh, for some football revenge too. So uh, let's try to get after it in baseball. And then Big Twelve Championship uh, in golf is this weekend. Actually, kind of kind of sneaked up on us. It's in. It did. It's in West Virginia, or it's at West Virginia. It's at at the Greenbrier, which is hosts a PGA tour event. Um, so that's exciting for them. Oklahoma state will be heavily favored. Matt, Matthew Wolf and Victor Hovland will be heavily favored, uh, but they didn't win it last year. They lost to, I believe OU or maybe Texas at Southern Hills. So uh, that's kind of the one uh, hole they had in their resume this year. And one of the reasons that Mike Holder told Zach Boshu that it wasn't the greatest OSU team of all time because they couldn't even win their conference championship. So <laughs> we'll see if they can uh, do it this time around. Um, but yeah, it's kind of strange that uh, that's already on us. And OSU's not playing very well. I know. Did you know that? I know. I mean, Look, uh, am, like, I, am I right to be worried about OSU golf? Uh I don't. I mean, would they finish at the at the Thunderbirds? Sixth, fourth, fourth without fourth. Hovland. Okay. But I'm just saying, come come match play. I mean, you got Hovland and Wolf, but they can only get two points, and the other three guys have not been consistent. I mean, uh, Ekro finished worst on the team. Um, he's been their third most reliable guy. Um, so I'm. I'm getting a little nervous about the OSU golf team and match play. I mean, you, you get your two big dogs, but if your other three don't come through, I mean, you're, you're done. So yeah, I, it, I don't know. It is interesting. And even in stroke play, like it's such a team deal that like, even if you've got three guys that are just crushing, like your fourth guy can up, up end you, you know, I think, yeah, that I, mean, be, I mean, I mean, Bushu only... went, Bushu went out in 29 on the front nine at Karsten, but since then has not, done much of anything um and hayden wood's been decent for a, a fourth fifth man and then they got a freshman also playing so yeah um i will say this kyle they're oklahoma sooners won the big 12 last year remember yeah uh, I, I thought it was I, I thought it was texas but you're you're right they, they've got bigger issues um i don't know how people how follow how people follow this very close at all but um Brad Dalkey and Blaine Hale have kind of lost it. They were their number one and number two guys. Uh, they they didn't start for a large stretch of the season. Dalkey was their five man two tournaments ago. That's crazy. He since he since has come back to the pack a little. He's, he's since in the lineup the last two tournaments, but. 
three tournaments ago, he didn't even they didn't even start him. I, I've heard he's had a crisis of confidence, and Blaine Hale was one of their best guys, and he's still not playing. So they they clearly recruited well to have some some younger guys starting over them, but but man, um, it's interesting. I'm sure OU's glad there wasn't an episode of Driven this season. I mean, because <laughs> they, they've had some. They've had some. They've had some problems. So as much as OSU, I'm kind of worried about OSU. I'm a little more worried about OU. I mean, challenging them for the the rivalry again. So this is. Uh, I'm looking at the world amateur golf rankings. Mm-hmm. Number one amateur in the world right now, Victor Hovland. Number three amateur in the world right now. This is not college golf. This is not Big Twelve. This is not NCAA. This is all over the planet. Wherever you play amateur golf, this is not just guys that are 18 to 22 this is 30 or whatever you are you're involved in this victor hovland's number one matthew wolf's number three zai boshu is number 14 wow. and austin eckrode is number 34 they have four of the top <laughs> four of the top 34 non-professional golfers in the world they should win it they should win everything that they play in from here on out is boshu that high because he won that canadian tournament probably yeah because he, he hasn't the, done much at osu i think he won the canadian amateur last year or yeah that's right something like that yeah he won the canadian men's amateur which is not a it's an okay event it's not a it's not a great event but yeah i mean to your point in his last uh five starts he's 37th 55th 15th 30th uh and then second so he's been not he's been okay not great um, but he's got, he's got experience. I mean, it's, I think it's a big deal to have been there in an NCAA before and, and to have gotten it done in the final, you know, in the final matchup. So, well, they're definitely going to want to win, want to win the big 12 after not winning it last year. Um, yeah. I have a question for you on uh, this topic. Okay. I want to hear it, but let's hear one more time from our sponsor, Chris's university spirit. And then we will, I want to hear your question and then we'll talk about Augusta. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head to toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly, shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson, hit me. Uh, who would you vote for for the Hogan Award? Victor mm. Hovland or Matthew Wolf, the, the Heisman of, of collegiate golf. It takes into account all amateur events and college golf events. Because I mean, on one hand, Victor Hovland was low amateur at the Masters. He won the U.S. Amateur. Matthew Wolf has won about every tournament he's entered at OSU this year. How do you weigh that? Who do you pick? I mean, I think you have to go with wins. You have to go with – well, so there's a difference, right? The Hogan – the, the, there's the Haskins Award, which I think is only – one of them's only college and one is all of amateur golf. The Hogan takes into account all collegiate and amateur competitions during the past 12 months. Okay, so that that one would be would be Hovland. 
And then the Haskins would be Wolf because I think that's college only. So that you wouldn't be voting on like the Masters and the U.S. Amateur and all that stuff. But I think I think the other one, I think the Hogan has. Wouldn't that be crazy if they split it? Like if they if one of them won one and the other won the other. <laughs> I mean, you laid out a good a good plan for that to happen. I mean, you take prob- into account the wording of the awards. Yeah, it probably will. Crazy. Let me hold on. Let me look up the, the Haskins. The Haskins is presented annually to honor the most outstanding collegiate golfer. Uh, it's called uh, so. Last year, this was Norman Zhang, and I'm almost certain that this on, is like college events only. And if you take into account, I mean, obviously Matthew Wolf didn't play the Masters. He didn't play the U.S. Amateur. So there's there's definitely and and Hovland's been good enough that because he won the U.S. Am. He could he could steal the Hogan, but Wolf would win the Haskins, which would be that. There's no way that's ever happened before, where teammates won each of them. <laughs> I know, crazy. Did you see? Did you see in Butler Cabin when when Hovland was being honored for the Low Am? Whenever Jim Nance mentioned Alan Bratton's name, Tiger kind of glanced to his right and kind of made this funny face because he remembers Alan Bratton drilling a putt against him in the playoff in '95. So I'll take it one further for you. I'm standing by the the putting green behind the 10th tee at Augusta on Sunday afternoon and Tiger's receiving the jacket and the trophy and everything. And he walks off the putting green and I'm standing right behind Bratton and, and Bratton says something to him and Tiger comes over and like grabs him and like says something back. I think he gave him a little hug. So they like interacted right after, after Patrick Reed put the jacket on Tiger. Whoa, that's yeah. awesome! It was it was unbelievable, and and Bratton was still in the in the caddy, you know, suit, and it yeah. was it was surreal. It was wild. I wonder what he said. I, I still know. remember you hitting that dang putt in '95. <laughs> I should have asked Bratton after. There's so it was just like you couldn't even move. You couldn't Pure even like, euphoria too. I mean. Yeah, it was ludicrous. So uh, what's uh, your, what's your one interesting thing? My one interesting thing is something that we covered a little bit on the blog. This, this, uh, pistol Pete deep dive that's been going on nationally, mostly on Twitter, uh, of all the different Pete's wrestling, Pete, swinging, Pete, tennis, Pete, baseball, Pete. It like, I never think about it, but it's hilarious to see people from outside the Oklahoma state <laughs> program, like, d- like deep dive on it. And, uh, and just get like super into it. What's been your favorite one that's come of it? I loved that thread. If you want to go look it up on Twitter, it's Roger Sherman from The Ringer. He posted it, and OKC Dave kind of brought it to the locals' attention. Uh, I love so many of them. I think I think Wrestling Pete is the is the best as far as just pure sports is concerned because because he has the wardrobe change, man, and he looks like the Incredible Hulk, but he's still wearing his cowboy boots while wearing a singlet. It's just hilarious to me. But for me, Kyle, it was the it was seeing the ones that I hadn't seen before, like the hotel administration Pete that's wearing like a bathrobe and his has his toothbrush and a coffee mug and like slippers instead of cowboy boots was spectacular. Uh, bass fishing Pete, where it's just normal pistol Pete, and instead of a gun, he's holding a bass fish. <laughs> For the for the fishing team was fantastic. Uh, what was yours? I, there, there was one that came out of left field, like prosthetics. Pete, he's holding That's, a prosthetic leg. I think it mine's either that or detective. The detective Pete. I don't <laughs> what even was know. That? I don't Criminology. Even know 
Yeah, I think so. I think Pokelhoma made it his Twitter picture, uh, but he's like holding a magnifying glass, like Sherlock Holmes. It's like Sherlock Holmes, Pete. It's it's incredible. There's Breaking I mean, Bad, Pete, because he's got chemistry. Uh, but yeah, I was I was actually gonna go with um, with pros- prosthetics, Pete. That that's that's unbelievable. <laughs> that killed me. <laughs> it's so funny. I don't know how people found all this stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. So Pokelhoma has it as his uh, his his uh, Twitter profile, and it's like Pete in a tweed hat, but with a magnifying <laughs> glass. It's it's fantastic. It's well, so one of one my best friend. He majored in fire protection at Oklahoma State. They're they have one of the best schools for that in the country, and I didn't even know they had a they had their own Pete. He was him like riding like riding on a fire engine like full steam ahead when like a yeah. fireman's outfit. <laughs> that one was pretty pretty great too. And I sent that to my buddy that majored in that. Yeah, and I told him to send me a shirt if he had one, but he didn't have any. Yeah, it's so the whole thing is so good. So that yeah, that was that was, that was my uh, one interesting thing. So what about yeah, you? Yeah, and it it came up too because obviously Hovland was wearing the Swing and Pete in Butler Cabin. That, I think that was that was great for the university and the marketing and obviously recruiting for for Alan Braddon. So that's kind of how that came about. Did you see what Big Randy said about that? He said, "Good to finally see some orange in Butler Cabin." Just took another <laughs> shot at Ricky. Such a dagger. Well, my one interesting thing is, yeah, of course he would do that. Um, my one interesting thing, obviously, is getting to go to Augusta and hang out with you. And I did see a lot of Swing and Pete hats. Out on yeah, the, the green ones. The green ones the green were amazing. Ones, yeah, that was I great. want one. They sold out like with a quickness. I hear. I hear. So, so obviously, you know, Kyle, I've always wanted to go, and it, it always seemed like a thing that just kind of would never happen. But even all those years of dreaming about going, and just kind of in the back of your mind, you're thinking. Well, it is a golf tournament, and my experiences at golf tournaments have kind of just been so-so. You can't, you don't see a lot of the golfers. You don't see hardly any shots. You wait around and for guys to come through. It's just not a fantastic viewer experience. But all of that went out the window. My my expectations were blown completely out of the water just from the from the second I set foot on the the grounds. Like the course itself is a work of art and I wanted to go down 10 first and 10 looked like a double black diamond ski slope. It was so steep that, that just <laughs> blew my mind. And so obviously I went to Amon. I went to the par three, but I got there kind of late and the par three is just too crowded. I didn't get to see hardly anything. That was, that wasn't that great. But on Thursday and Friday, I was blown away at how easily I could follow whoever I wanted get as close as to whoever as I wanted. I got, I, on Thursday, I was hanging out with Eddie Radosevich, another friend of the friend of the pod, works for Sooner Scoop and the franchise. He and I are like, let's go to Amon Corner and wait for Tiger. So we go to 10, 10 green, and here comes Tiger. He's standing over the ball, and this there hasn't been a breath of wind the entire time we've been standing there. All of a sudden, this huge gust hits us, and we kind of look at each other like, oh, no, don't hit, don't hit, don't hit. And everyone's kind of muttering that under their breath on the green. And right as Tiger's about to take the club back, he just takes this really quick step backward and looks up at the top of the trees to his right, then looks at the top of the trees to his left, and then boom, the gust hits him in the chest as he's waiting. And he kind of waits it out, gets back over the ball, hits it on the green, and makes par. That was that was like seeing, and I don't want to be too hyperbolic here, but <laughs> that was like seeing Michelangelo paint. I mean, that, that's that's what it was like. It was unbelievable. And then we followed him through Amen Corner and on Thursday, I got to see the best shots of the day. Me and Eddie saw Phil and Bryson almost hole out on 16 and almost mm. hole out on 18. 
So it was just, it was an incredible experience and just the media center was off the charts, but I'll, I'll just one last story. So I'm, I have to fly out at like 6.30 on Friday and it's, it's about four. So I'm like, I got to get going. And I see Fleetwoods on nine and you, you told me earlier in the week to go to nine just to see how small the green was. So I'm there and I'm like, wait a second, Tiger's going to be here in like 10 minutes. I'll wait. I'll, I'll be fine. So I waited out. He, he's really close and he hits a, not that great of an approach shot. I'm like, crap. I was hoping to see a birdie here. Tiger steps up and drills like a 35 footer for birdie on nine and just big fist pump crowds going bananas. And I'm like, all right, I've seen enough time to go. (laughs) That was my last, my last uh, thing I saw. I thought that was pretty appropriate way to end the trip. It is. And Friday was Friday was bonkers. It felt like an entire tournament happened on Friday. Uh, Cause Tiger was in it and then you had the delay and, you know, he's walking across 12, like by himself. I mean, the whole tournament was incredible, but I'm really glad you got to go. It was fun to hang out, fun to spend some time together. What What do you think was the most surprising thing about the entire experience? I mean, not, not necessarily the golf, but just anything that you experienced. I think the most surprising was, again, just on Thursday, Friday, I'm sure it's different on Saturday, Sunday, like, the leaders are so spread out and the big names are so spread out. Like I could go, I could go follow tiger. I thought I was going to skip like eight or nine holes. Yeah. So that, that was such a thrill to be able to go see whoever I wanted and not have to just battle the crowds. But the, the most, the, the most striking thing about Augusta and the masters was how well run everything was. It was like Chick-fil-A on steroids. Like as far as the, <laughs> the amount of workers, the amount of lot, they got people in the bathrooms directing traffic to tell yeah. you where to go. Like yeah. it is the most well-run operation I've ever been around. Uh, the pro shop blew my mind. I didn't, I didn't go overboard, which is nice, but I did spend quite a bit in there. Uh, the, the cons- I, I can see now why the concessions are so cheap because the, they get you at the pro shop. No doubt yeah. about it. Yeah. So that was, that was pretty spectacular, but ju- no, just, how well run it is, and um, I loved the no cell phone thing. That was kind of cool, but they had phones on the grounds to where Eddie was able to do his radio hit while on 16 <laughs> or on 15. <laughs> they got those pay phones where you can just call. So I called my dad. I, I called I called my house just to see what, what the caller ID says, Augusta National Golf Club. <laughs> so, so that was it's pretty incredible. cool. But one of the highlights, though, Kyle, was getting to hang out with you after Thursday. I got to go witness – the shotgun start in person. You know, I listen to the shotgun start every week. I listen to the first cut every week, but I got to see Brendan Porath and Andy Johnson break things down on Thursday in person. And I even got a shout out by you on the pod. So I had people tweet me saying they're listening to shotgun start hearing us crack beers in the background. So that was, that was pretty fun. It was fun. Those, those weeks are always, they're always crazy. They're always long, but they're always just a blast to, to be there, to see friends that you only get to see a couple weeks a year. So yeah, I was glad that, you kind of got to get into that world a little bit. Um, what was your favorite I got hole? To, favorite hole? I tell you, 10 is just striking. 10 amazing. Visually, just how steep that hill is. And going to see where Bubba hit from was just, how about it doesn't where, even look possible. How about where Rory hit from in 2011? Oh, oh that's, that's the story I didn't tell. Like, <laughs> so my first, my first stroll on the course, I, I go right up one. I go, I got to go see 10 and aim in corner right away. It's the first thing I did. And cause I got there before Eddie. So I got a chance to go walk around and I'm walking down 10 and I see Rory's cabin over there where he hit it towards. And I, I said to myself, how did he hit it over there? And as soon as I thought that 
this group of like four four or five people to go walk by and go, how did he hit it over there? <laughs> like everyone was just saying the same thing. It was like it was like seeing a crime scene. Really, everyone was walking by it, commenting on it. Um, so that that was pretty that was pretty great. Uh, so ten was great. I think sixteen's probably the the best just from an atmosphere standpoint 15 i was a little disappointed in 15 like when you're standing by the green it doesn't look nearly as steep there as it does on tv on tv it looks like they're hitting off a dang mountain yeah from up there but it's it's a little more gradual than than it looks like on tv but i would probably say uh seven was pretty cool seven green was pretty cool how elevated yeah. it was how tight you can get close to like they had it tucked away on the right on I think Thursday or Friday and I was like a, like Molinari was just off the green but I, I could like reach out and touch him is how close I was to where he yeah. was chipping toward the flag it was it was cool so I probably have to go 15 or 16 uh, as the coolest just from a scoring perspective uh, 13 Six. is 13 is great 13 might be my favorite just as an observer but when you're there it's hard to get a good spot there and see all the shots yeah 16 is amazing I love 16 I love 10 uh, but yeah, it was, I mean, I don't know if you can ever go back because you go tiger wins. Like what, you know, you go next year, like Henrik Stenson's going to win. You're going to be like, okay, you know, well, that's the coolest part. Like, I feel like I owe it to tiger to go every year now. I mean, every, <laughs> every year that I've gone, he's won the masters. Uh, but, but no, to answer your question, 11 and 12, I, I, if I could pick any, um, I'm, I'm you just, you just named like every hole. Well, the whole back nine is probably my favorite. <laughs> But I will say my favorite spot to stand for people that are going to go for the first time is the tee box on 12 because you can see what's happening on 11 green and then you can see the tee shots on 12. And you can't really see the tee shots on 13 because they're kind of blocked by trees. But I, I met a group of people that were waiting at the airport for their friend to arrive and they were kind of asking me where to go. And I, I told them 12 tee box or, or 16 green or somewhere on 15 where you can see 16 and 15. Yeah, that's where I was when Tiger almost a 16. It was... It was nuts. It, I've never seen anything like it. So. I mean, we're we're more than a week removed, and I can't. I still can't believe he he won it. I, no. I just can't. No, I know. Uh, I it, mean, it, I, I still it, I still feel cheated that his putt on eighteen didn't drop because it robbed us of one of the all time greatest fist pumps he was ever going to throw. <laughs> and that that putter flip was insane that he caught that yeah. <laughs> he flipped it so fast because he was so mad it didn't drop but um i'd be lying if i said i wasn't nervous he was gonna win when when brooks was lining up that that birdie on on 18 but i think the pressure got to brooks on 17 and 18 because he never misses putts like that that I far was, i was actually like having a hard time determining what i wanted to happen because the tiger story is almost like and you've experienced this i'm sure it's like too big. You're like, what do you, what do you want me to do with this? Like you, you watched it. Just go watch it again. Like how do, what am I supposed to write about? Like what, what are the words that I'm supposed to say about this? And so I was sort of rooting against it because it was like, this is too much for me to handle. You know, like I, I don't, I don't even know what to do or say or think or any of it. It was so surreal. And, uh, I don't know. It was, it was a cool masters. It, they're, they're all, they're all cool. They're all unique. They're all uh, fun for different reasons, but it's kind of an all timer and, and uh, we both got to be there. 
Yeah, I can imagine staring at that blank computer screen saying, what, wh- what? How am I supposed yeah. to even begin this? Go watch the uh, replay. That's all I have to say. Right. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, the opportunity of a lifetime. Um, I don't know if I'll ever get to go back, but I, I sure would like to. And I, you kind of helped me navigate those waters, so I'll, I'll always be in debt to you. And uh, it was an awesome time. For sure. Hey, when Austin Eckro wins the USAM this summer, you can go again next year. There we go. Just cowboy golf is going to get me there. (laughs) Okay, Carson. uh, Good show. Good to be back. And uh, we will talk again soon. Uh, Best believe next time I see Alan Brad, I'm going to ask him what he said to Tiger. Yes. On on the putting green. So I'll I'll report back to you. (laughs) Talk to you later. All right. See you.